1: Shabbat Shalom. So for for Jewish educators, there's a tip that we learn early and use often. When in doubt, quote Heschel. And for good reason, Abraham Joshua Heschel was an extraordinary writer whose command of the English language was as precise as it was poetic. A fact, even more remarkable, given that English was his fourth language. Heschel is endlessly quotable. He is the man who taught us, and I quote, that the Sabbath is the day we should try to become attuned to holiness in time, to shift our focus from the world of creation to the creation of the world. After marching with Dr. King in Selma, he famously remarked, when asked if he had found time to pray, I prayed with my feet. He reminded us, that wonder rather than doubt is the root of knowledge that our goal should be to live life in radical amazement, to get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. And he cautioned that indifference to evil is more insidious than evil itself. You can understand why we turn to him again and again. One of my teachers and a teacher to many of us here, Dr. Aryeh Cohen, who, by the way, is looking more and more like Heschel by the day. But more importantly, really, I mean this, models for us. Heschel's call to live a life committed to social justice. He once shared a story about Heschel, which, frankly, even even he admitted he's not sure if it's true or if it's apocrypha, but I'll tell it anyway. Apparently, Heschel wrote almost exclusively on three by five index cards. His books, essays, and speeches were essentially large stacks of index cards, which makes so much sense. His ideas are expressed in bite size, making for the perfectly condensed quotable teaching and helping to explain why sometimes it's totally unclear how Heschel gets from one idea to the next. If you're looking for clear, systematic thinking, organized and scaffolded, Heschel is tough sledding. So there's one particular essay in this story Dr. Cohen shared that the essay really made very little sense. And scholars were stumped how Heschel had gotten from one idea to the next and were proposing different theories. Thank you, Matan. They were proposing different theories to try to make philosophical sense of the writing. Enter Heschel's typist, who admitted that unfortunately, on the way to her typewriter, she had dropped the stack of index cards. (laughs) And while she did her best to put them back into the correct order, maybe some of them didn't land in the right spot. Okay, but the irony is, we tend to treat all of his writings this way, plucking out the paragraphs that most take our breath away. I heard Rabbi Shai Held say once in an interview that Heschel has been a victim of his own eloquence. He wrote so beautifully that people often treat him solely as a book of quotations. And a consequence of that is people rarely do the work of identifying and grappling with the deep structure of his thought, which at its core contains a theologically centered interpretation of Judaism and a still urgent critique of modernity. Even Heschel the activist, rightly celebrated for his work on behalf of the civil rights movement, for his impassioned resistance to American involvement in Vietnam, and his advocacy on behalf of Soviet Jewry, even in this regard, Heschel has been seen more as an icon than a thinker. And it's a shame because his writing and activism are not just inspiring, they ought to be studied and wrestled with in the context of his understanding of Judaism and God. In fact, we might understand both his poeticism and activism that much better if we dig into his core beliefs. And thankfully, that was the motivation for Scheiheld's brilliant book, The Call of Transcendence on Heschel's thought whose insights I hope to share with you this morning in honor of Abraham Joshua Heschel's 50th Yartzeit this week on the 18th of Tevet. So Heschel is writing theology in the 1950s when the predominant voices in progressive Jewish philosophy are touting an impersonal God, meaning in their estimation, God is not a being that we have distinct relationship with, Rather, God is a force, a power, that gives human life direction, but is ultimately removed from and unaffected by the affairs of humanity. This idea goes all the way back to Maimonides, but Heschel stands fiercely opposed to it. In many ways, Heschel's writing is about rejecting the description of God as the unmoved mover, A God so far away we couldn't possibly know anything about God, so far away that God couldn't possibly know or care about us. Heschel bristles at all the talk of the concept of God, instead pleading with us to be in relationship with God. In 1967, Heschel was invited to address a conference of Catholic scholars on the topic of, quote, the God of Israel. On the way to the printer, the title of his lecture was instead printed as, quote, the Jewish notion of God. Heschel said, this change is extremely telling. Realism was replaced by notionalism. The God of Israel is a name, not a notion. A notion can be arrived at by abstraction and generalization, a name is learned through acquaintance. A notion is conceived, a name is called. Of course, to be in relationship, to learn through acquaintance, implies a strong sense of God's reality. And remarkably, despite his own life experience of escaping Poland just six weeks before the Nazi invasion, despite losing family and so much of the Hasidic world of his youth in the Shoah, Heschel didn't seem to doubt or need to prove God's existence or reality. He questioned God's silence and concealment, but he never stopped believing in God's presence in our world and what that can feel like and teach us. For Heschel, the God of Israel is not a supreme being, apathetic and indifferent to man, but rather a God who enters into relationship with human beings and even cries when we cry, hurts when we hurts, hopes our hopes. God's emotional life is bound to our own. We might say that at the core of his theological mission was the reaffirmation of the traditional words Baruch Atah, Adonai. Blessed are you, Adonai. God is the you I can love and be loved by, I can speak to and listen to, because you is the pronoun of relationship. Now, before going any further, let me say that teaching theology in a Jewish space is always complicated. And preaching about theology, without the back and forth of discussion and questions and lively disagreement, God help me. So let me say clearly. We are not a religion of dogma. We measure our time here in sacred action. There is no one theology any of us need to subscribe to in order to belong here. I'm proud that our approach to theology is multivocal and the tent and the gym is big enough to house a thousand different beliefs in God and no belief in God, I promise. And we are B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, who only got that name by wrestling with the divine, by engaging in the ongoing struggle to answer the questions of ultimate importance. Heschel believed, and you are free to agree or disagree, That a relationship with god is a deeply compelling and real way to attune oneself to those questions and ultimately to find answers back to theology heschel believes that humans hold two types of concern those we have for ourselves and our futures and concerns for the interests of others Worrying about ourselves is natural, but when it dominates our inner life, when it crowds out concern for others, Heschel says, we cease to be meaningfully human. God, on the other hand, has no concern for self. God has no ego. Instead, God is brimming with concern for others, specifically the poor and exploited. And that's the ultimate message of the Bible, Heschel believes. In this read, God becomes the model that we aspire to. Just as God's heart is filled with concern for others, so should our hearts. Just as God is inherently self-transcendent, so too should we move beyond self-interest as often as possible. The greatest beauty, Heschel wrote, grows at the greatest distance from the ego. Okay. But how do we quiet the ego? How do we remember again and again that the world doesn't revolve around me? Heschel believes that wonder can change everything. Wonder begins as an awareness of the mystery of reality. It's recognizing that the ability to explain something, the evening sky, a baby born, the experience of love, doesn't replace the sheer astonishment that those things exist in the first place. That's beautiful. And that's often where we cut off Heschel on the topic of wonder. But he goes much further. Wonder is not just wow. It's the consciousness that we didn't create this world that we live in. Wonder points to the transcendent and in doing so reminds us that the self is not the hub, but the spoke. Heschel writes, and I quote, wonder unlocks an innate sense of indebtedness. Within our awe, we know that all we own, we owe. Let me say that again. Within our awe, we know that all we own, we owe. If wonder reminds us that we are the recipients of a gift, the ultimate question then becomes apparent. What are we to do with this gift? More than wow, wonder is a state of our being asked. The intuition that something is asked of us. To take that seriously is to understand that at the deepest levels, life is not about claims I make, so much as it is about responding to claims made upon me a claim to fill our hearts with care for others like God does, a claim to move from the realm of exclusive self-concern to identifying with the brokenhearted and exploited. But here's the catch. God doesn't march in the streets or feed the hungry. God does not protest unjust wars or clothe the naked, God enters into covenantal relationship with human beings, and real relationship means shared power. Heschel wrote, For the accomplishment of God's grand design, God waits for the help of man. Not only is redemption a necessity for humanity, but humanity is a necessity for redemption. As Scheiheld remarks at the heart of Heschel's theology, It's the paradoxical insistence that the creator of heaven and earth is also a profoundly vulnerable being in search of us, yearning to be in partnership, but ultimately waiting for us to notice. So what we strive for then is a harmony of the soul with the concern of God, a soul fully awake to the consciousness of the eternal question God poses, will you join me? Shabbat Shalom.